Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Well, praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord, saints. Amen. Well, we come here tonight to hear a little bit more of God's word. Amen. We were cha- we've been challenged for the past few weeks about the family, about singles. And now tonight we're going to talk about our youth. And so tonight, if we can before I start, why don't we lift up our hands and let's begin to pray that God would continue to speak in this place tonight. Let's do that. Lord, we love you. God, we give you praise. Thank you for everything that we felt. But Lord Jesus, we pray that you'll open up our ears and hearts and speak to us more. Lord, have your own way. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. In the midst of a selfless, godless world, God said, I am going to destroy it, but save some people. He said, I'm going to save not just one person, but he said, I am going to save a family. And when he looked out across the vast world of the earth, he found one man and he he called his name Noah. He looked at Noah, he said, Noah, What I'm going to do is this. I'm going to destroy everything, but what I want you to do is I want you to build an ark. What does the ark symbolize, folks? The ark symbolizes just a few things. It symbolizes a safe place. It symbolizes a place where somebody can be saved. It symbolizes also refuge, and it symbolizes new life and a new start. When I think about that, I think about church, but it goes on. All of a sudden, Noah gets this news, and what does Noah do? Noah takes this news probably, and he begins to run home to his family. I can imagine how sometimes I come home, my kids are there probably sitting at the dinner table, and as they're sitting at the dinner table, I can imagine Noah breaks into the room, and he looks at his sons who are probably sitting down at the dinner table and said, sons, today I have received a word. Today I have heard from God. He looks at his children and he said, you know what, Makai, today I've heard a word. You see, who was Noah? Noah was a father, number one. But also at the same time, Noah was a preacher of righteousness who was coming to deliver the spoken word of God. And that day he was coming to his sons who did not hear the word themselves, but they heard the voice of the father, the preacher, the spoken word. And they were these. We got to get ready. God's about to destroy the earth and he's about to wipe everything out. But there is 
one way to be saved. And he said, what we have to do is we have to build a boat or we have to build an ark. Now, if you can imagine that time going right there is, you know, at that time, the world was going crazy. When you think about the ark, young people, the, the ark stood for something that was definitely against the culture of that time. It went against the grain. No one had ever seen it rain before like that. And probably no one had ever had seen a boat that would be built at that type of magnitude. But all the, these young people heard was a word from a righteous preacher who was their father who was delivering the word of God. And what did they have to go off of? I'll tell you, young people, what they had to go off of were those three things. And at that point, young people, what they had to do is they had to make a decision. And that decision was this, young people. Am I going to trust my father, my righteous parents who are living for God? Am I going to trust the preacher? And also at the same time, am I going to trust the spoken word of God? I want to tell you, young people, at some point in your life, you have to understand one thing. There may come a time where God may not speak to you directly, but he's going to speak to your godly parents. And he's also at the same time going to speak through your pastor. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes when you crack open the word of God, the word of God will speak to you and you have to. To make a choice, and that choice is this. Are you going to believe what those things are saying, or are you going to look around at the culture and say, you know what, I'm going I'm to go with what they're saying. But I'm going to tell you this, young people, in order to be saved, you have to listen to what your godly parents are saying in your life. And when you're sitting in those pews and our pastor is preaching, I'm going to tell you, if you want to be saved, that man of God is watching for your soul like the scripture says. What you and I have to do is make the decision. Are we going to listen exactly to what our pastor is going to say? Or are we going to listen to what the culture says? Young person, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, I don't know about you. When I look around at the culture today, I can see the winds blowing and I can see the same thing going on like in the days of Noah. You know what, young people, I want to be saved and what we have to do today is this. We have to listen to our godly parents. We have to listen to our pastor and one day we have to pick up the word of God and listen to the word of God. If you want to be saved. I want to tell you, my children, it's worth building the ark. You see, if I would entitle this anything, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and young people, I want to tell you it's worth building the ark. Makai, I need you to come up here real quick. Jeffrey, I need you to come up here real quick. Isaiah, I need you to come up here real quick. Hurry up, run. Come on, run. Come on, run. I know he didn't, I know, see, you went to the doctor, he touched you, he touched that leg, you've been healed. Come on up here. I want you to stand right there, Makai. I want you to stand right there. Jeffrey, Isaiah, I want you to stand right there too. You see, God said that, you know what? He gave Noah instructions. He says, I want you to build the ark and I want you to make it 300 cubits long. 
And young people, he turned around and said, I want you to make it 50 cubits wide. And then he said, you know what I want you to do? He said, I want you also at the same time to make it 30 cubits tall. And he began to lay out all the instructions on what he wanted the ark to look like. So I can imagine after, you know, Father Noah, he gets finished, you know, drawing up all the plans. And then it's time to build. But here's the thing. Just because God said it sometimes, young people, it doesn't mean that he's just going to snap his fingers and it's going to happen. Young people, what you have to understand is this sometimes. If you want to be saved, you have to do something yourself. If you want to be saved, if you want to make it, you have to do something yourself. And so I can imagine as, you know, Noah gets finished, you know, drawing up the plan for the ark that all of a sudden he had some tools that were out there to do what? To build the ark. To build it. But here's the thing. Noah couldn't do it by himself. You see, mom and dad can't do it by themselves. At some point, the tools that your parents have supplied and the church has supplied, it's here for you. But at some point, young person, you have to learn and I have to learn to pick the tools up and begin to use them. I can imagine that, you know, Noah probably had, he probably didn't have this type of saw, but he had some saw out there to do what? You know he wished he had that saw. That's right, Pastor. He was out there for a long time cutting. But he had to have something to cut. You know, some of those, go, that gopher went down. I can imagine that also at the same time that, oh, here's the next one. He had to have a chisel to do what? In order to build an ark, sometimes you just have to knock and chisel and get some things out of the way in order to form the ark that you want. And so there had to be a chisel. I can imagine the next thing that they probably had in their hand was a hammer. Here's the next one. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is right there. Sweet. They may not have had a pencil like this, but they probably had to have something like this to mark the lines, to know how far they needed to cut and where they didn't need to cut. And as we know, they had something called pitch. Pitch that kept the water out of the boat. You see, young people, you see, if, if you're going to build an ark, at some point, you're going to have to start picking up some tools. At some point, young people, you're going to have to probably pick up the saw of prayer and fasting. Because I want to tell you, young people, right now in this day and time, there's so many young people that are falling into depression, falling into anxiety, falling into oppression. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it is a chemical imbalance. But I'm going to tell you, young person, sometimes if you begin to look at things and listen to things on the radio and watch things on the TV, what you don't know is you expose your spirit to another spirit, and it is not from God. 
I want to tell you, young person, you just can't step into the doors of the church and then do nothing and walk out and expect for to be free in your heart, to be free in your mind. You've got to have some prayer and some fasting going. I thought I would have got a better response than that. I believe Jesus said it. There are only some things that come out by prayer and fasting. Young person, I'm going to tell you, if you're bound by fear, if you're bound by anxiety, why don't you begin to pick up some prayer? Why don't you begin to get into the prayer hall and begin to say, you know what? Or get into your prayer closet and say, Lord, I've got some fear going on in my life, Jesus, and I need you to help me. Every once in a while, it is okay to turn the plate down to turn your iPhone off, to shut your laptop, to say, you know what? I'm going to fast from my laptop. I'm going to fast from Instagram. I'm going to fast from Facebook. Why? It's because I want the spirit that's got me bound to let me go. When you begin to do that, young person, when you begin to pray and you begin to fast, all of a sudden you get the attention of heaven. When you begin to turn your eyes to the Lord, all of a sudden the Lord will step down into your situation. And when he sees the chains that's got you bound and the chains that's got you locked down while you're praying and fasting, all of a sudden he'll do this. He'll free your mind. He'll free your heart. He'll free your soul if you allow some things to be cut out of your life through prayer and fasting. The next thing is this. Sometimes God would allow the chisel of life experiences, young person, to come on your life. Why? It's because he understands that he's trying to make you into something. He's trying to save your soul. But you know what? It's a little hard to, how can I say, float one day when you and I sometimes, if we're not careful, have some things that are weighing us down. You see, what he does is he said, oh, not saying that he has any, but I see a little pride. Let me hammer that out. Oh, hold on for a second. Oh, see a little, see a little arrogancy. Look, he got the nice hand. No, I'm just joking with him. Let me, let me, let me get. Man, this one's a tough one. Self-centeredness. Being cynical. Hold on, hold on for a second. Gossip. Lying tough. Uh. And what he's trying to do is just right, Pastor. He's trying to work on you. He's not trying to hurt you and kill you. But what God is trying to do, young person, if you allow him, is he's trying to shape your life into the person that he wants you to be. Again, young person, he's trying to shape your life into who he wants you to be. Not me, not what I want you to be. Not what Hollywood would want you to be. Not what the ballers in the NBA would want you to be. But I'm going to tell you, it's what God wants you to be. And what God will do every once in a while, if you let him. He'll let life experience just like what happened to Joseph. 
He'll allow life experiences to chisel away until God feels like, Chloe, he's done. And he's got you in the place where he needs you to be. Hammer. A hammer is good for nailing some things in and reinforcing things. How about this one? We need to allow some truth to be hammered and reinforced in our lives. You see, young person, some of you, you I've already had those conversations from some folks from New Pal. You know how it is. Some of you, you're about to go to college, and some of you, you, you go to CCS, and some of you guys, you go to public schools. And you know what, what the young people are saying, and even sometimes you know what your professors are saying or your, your teachers are saying. Oh, you know, there really, there's evolution. You know, there's the Big Bang Theory. There is no God. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what your pastor says, what your youth pastor says. Don't worry about what your godly parents are saying. You know, you can dress any old way that you want to be. You can have free sex all you want to. Oh, it's all right. But I'm going to tell you, young person, what you and I have to do every once in a while is we have to pick up the hammer of truth because it says it's the truth, not somebody else's opinion, not somebody else's thoughts, not your girlfriend's thoughts, and not your best friend, your BFF's thoughts. Come on, somebody. But it's the truth that will make you free. And every once in a while, you have to understand, you got to pick that hammer up and say, you know what? In the beginning, God. And nail down your belief. Every once in a while, you have to say, you know what? Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. You know what? The reason why I dress the way that I dress is yes. Number one, I'm dressing like this as a sign to let everybody else know that I'm a woman, for some of you ladies, and for you guys, that I'm a guy. There is a distinction between male and female. There is not Adam and Steve. There is Adam and Eve. I'm telling you, every once in a while, young person, you've got to nail it down in your spirit and say, you know what? I believe the truth, and the truth shall make me free. And I have to understand that there is a marriage between a man and a woman. That there is a reason why I dress the way that I dress, the way I, I wear my hair. I wear it for a reason. A reason. And then it goes to the next thing. You can be seated. I'm going to tell you this. If you don't have an answer, young person, to what you believe, please feel free to come talk to myself. Come talk to the staff. Talk to your parents, which are the first line of defense. You go talk. Come ask questions. There's not a, I've, I've told people many times before, there is not a stupid question. If you have a question, ask. Why? Because I believe, I've heard it in our, our Sunday school class. If you don't have a, an answer to, to the question and you don't ask, we would rather you ask right now versus letting you get 10, 20 years down the road and you don't have an answer and you turn away from God because 
You don't have an answer because you're beginning a question. So if you have a question, ask it now. And I have my pencil. I draw my lines. I've got to draw my boundaries. Why? It's because I'm trying to be saved. Young guys, children, it's worth building the ark. And it's worth having lines to know how far you can go and how far you should not go. Joshua said it like this, and it's so such a familiar scripture, portion of scripture. Joshua 24, 15, it says this, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which is your fathers serve that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me. You got to learn to draw your lines. Your parents have lines. They've taught you about those lines that you probably need in your life. But I'm going to tell you, at some point, you got to pick up the, the tool that your parents are giving you. And son, you got to... You got to draw. Jeff, you're going to have to draw because there's going to be a day when your mom and dad are not around you. And you may be faced with whether if you're in college or whether if you're on the court playing basketball in your neighborhood. And there may be some people that may come up that aren't from our church that may not know exactly what you believe. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to draw your lines. Whether if you're in a relationship with a young lady or a young guy, you better have your lines drawn. You need to say, young person, as for me, my body and my mind belongs to God. <laughs> ladies, I'm going to tell you. I want to tell you, ladies, for each and every one of you ladies, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody on Instagram, anybody in the, in, how can I say, in media. Why? It's because of this. When God created Adam and Eve, after he was done making everything, he said it was very good. Meaning God doesn't make stupid. God doesn't make ugly. God doesn't make a mistake. But you know what God makes? God makes something that's very good. So ladies, I'm going to tell you, if you ever have a God that approaches you, and either calls you the wrong name or doesn't treat you the right way. You need to understand this, young lady. You are made in the image of God. And God says this, that you are beautiful in his sight. Whether if you're tall or short, you are beautiful, young ladies, in his sight. So you don't ever have to try to put on or act like somebody else. You need to just be the young lady that God has called you to be. Why? Because God created you. The Lord created with his hands. He created you. 
And guess what? You don't have to look over and try to be like Sister Jephne. Because just Sister God is blessing Sister Jephne's life. But I'm going to tell you, she's special in God's eyes, but you can be yourself. Be the person that God made you. Now, now God, you at the same time. You don't have to be like Brother Way. I know Brother Way, he looks good. He's got the great glasses, great hair, and stuff like that. I know Brother Jeffrey, he looks handsome. But at the same time, guys, you don't have to try to be like these guys. Be yourself. Be the person that God is calling you to be. And guys, I know you guys already are. Continue to treat our ladies like queens. I'm going to tell you, Pastor, I heard, you can be seated, I heard about the, the trip that took place when these guys went to NAYC and you would be proud. There were some guys that were out there, you know, talking some stuff and talking some trash and just being vulgar on, on the trip. Not our guys, but some other guys that were out there waiting in the line. But what I heard was all of a sudden I heard that our young guys did this. While the ladies were standing there, they began to team up and they began to stand in front of the ladies to block our ladies, to make sure that our ladies, you know, aren't being affected by that. That's what we're talking about, men. Draw the lines. Be a gentleman. Be a man of God. Draw your lines. I'm almost done. We need something that holds the ship together. Sometimes we're people, we're human. And Isaiah, sometimes we make mistakes in building the ship. And what happens is sometimes people can say things and do things that can break a person's spirit and break a person's heart. But I'm going to tell you, if you've ever had your heart broken or you've ever been hurt, you need to make sure that you always carry the glue of grace. Why? Because I'm going to tell you, son, what God wants to do is this. He wants to, whenever you're broken and you're hurt, and, or whenever, like young people do, we sometimes make mistakes. God wants to pour that grace on you. To do what? To remind you that he loves you. And no matter whatever you do, no matter how far you ever go, God's like, I still favor you. I still love you. And young person, if you give it a chance, his grace can be like glue. And if you're broken in your spirit, God will put it back together and glue it together and make it stronger. But here's the thing that you got to remember. Just like the Lord is pouring the grace of glue on your life, you got to remember to be ready to pour it back on somebody else's life. Because you know what, young people? Sometimes we're just people. Sometimes your mom and dad, we make mistakes. And sometimes we can, we can get hurt by our mom and dad, by what they say, by how they act. 
or maybe we can get hurt by our friends. And what happens is this. If, if we allow it, we can allow our lives to stay broken and allow our family to stay broken by unforgiveness because we, we decided to not use the same grace that we poured out upon, that God poured upon us. We decide not to pour it out on somebody else. And what can happen is a family can remain broken because of it, or a friendship can remain broken. But I want to tell you, every once in a while, what you've got to do yourself is, when you realize, young person, or you realize, mom and dad, or you realize, guess that, you know what, somebody has done you wrong, and somebody has hurt you or something like that, or somebody's hurt by you, this is what you need to do. You need to pour out a little grace on them. You need to pour grace out on a meaning that you still favor and you still love that person just because of who they are, not because of what they've done or what they can give you. Pour it out upon them. If I can get the band to play. Sons, children, it's worth building the ark. It's worth building. You know, when I think about that ark, I think I said it earlier. When I think about the ark, you know what the ark kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of the church. It's a safe place to go run and hide. Young people, it's a place down here where you can be saved, find refuge, a brand new start. Amen? Even boys, a brand new life. <laughs> That's kind of what the ark was. But here's the thing. Yeah, it's worth building the ark. But there came a time when the ark was finished. There came a time when the ark was done, young people. And then all of a sudden, the skies begin to blacken. And the rain begin to pour. And God told Noah, get your family in the ark. He said that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 7. Noah stepped into the ark. Mama stepped into the ark. But Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, they were all individual young people that had their own mind, that had their own salvation that they had to work out themselves. Even though God gave the word, get in. They had to make the decision. 
You see, Noah mama couldn't do this. She said, get in, get in, get in. Shem, get in the ark. Can you see the rain coming down? God said it was going to rain and everything's going to be wiped out. Get in the boat. They didn't push him. They had to make a decision. You see, young people, it's not good enough to just build oh, the ark. It's not good enough to build the ark or build a good band or, 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 or build a good youth. It's not good enough. It's not even good enough to be near the ark or near the church. At some point, you're going to have to make a decision to get into the ship. Young person, at some point, you have to make a decision to get into the ship. It's not good enough if your mama and daddy who's saved or your grandma and grandpa is in the ship. You have to get into the ship yourself. And I'm going to tell you, getting in the ship is not just coming to this building. That's not getting into the ship. Or let me say it like I said a few Wednesdays, Wednesdays ago. That's not getting into the church just coming into this building. At some point in your life, you're going to have to repent yourself and ask God to forgive you and turn away from the sin, the junk that the world has to offer. Come on, don't sit down on me right now, young people. For some of you, for some of you, you're making a decision right now. Especially you junior high kids. I'm going to tell mom and dad, I want to tell you this. The most important time to help kids Youth get in the church, it's not when they're 18. If you begin to read this book that Ken Ham put out, he did a study talking about when is the best time to help your young people get in the church. It's when they're in junior high. Why? It's because they've already made up in their mind in junior high where they want to be at. And what happens when they get to high school or college all they do is they begin to live out what they've already made plans in their mind. And so young people, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, what we have to do is this. We have to continue to pray, yes, for our children. We have to continue to bring them to the church. But I'm going to tell you, young people, you have to do your part. You have to do your part. You have to do your part and make the decision on what you are going to do with your life. Are you going to stay on the outside when the storm is going on? Or are you going to say, come on, get in the ship. What are you going to choose, Isaiah? Are you going to get in the ship with mom and dad? Is that what you want? You want to get in the church with mom and dad? Meaning you want the Holy Ghost, you want to be baptized, and you want to follow God's word, get into the ship. Come on, if that's, what, if that's what you want, come on. Come, is that what you want, Jeffrey? Is that what you want, a life of peace? You know, a life that's so, uh, protected from the storms of this world? And so, is that what you want? If that's what you want, get into the ship. You can just sit right there. Get into the ship. Let's stand.
Young people, you've been given every tool. Just about every tool. Prayer. There's years of prayer stored up for y'all by all these saints, your parents. But at some point, you have to make the decision. 